good to be back today on Search the Scripture. So wonderful to be here with all of our listeners. And what a blessing it is for us to be able to be together, to freely open and discuss God's Word, to learn from all of those rich teachings and truths, and try to get a better grasp of what God has communicated to us therein. We're thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day here in Search the Scriptures. And we pray that you are growing spiritually as we come together and study God's Word here in the program. Our prayer is that as we get into God's Word, that your faith is growing stronger as a result of your learning His Word more thoroughly and fully. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, as we keep saying, Romans 10 and verse 17. And that's God's formula for growing faith, not ours. And so we keep teaching his word so that our faith can grow and we can help you grow your faith. And as your faith does get stronger and deeper, as you come to a better understanding of God's will for your life, we pray that you will ultimately make up your mind to make that decision to come to him all the way, his way, through Jesus Christ, his son, your Lord and Savior, as you repent of your sins, confess your faith in him, and surrender to him in baptism for the remission of your sins, and then begin that reborn life, that new life in Christ, with a new direction, a new purpose, a new hope, a new ultimate destiny, and that is heaven itself, eternal life. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are truly for you, and we do pray for you. It's wonderful to be here with you, and it's great to be here with Dennis Stackhouse to continue our study from God's Word. Thank you, Gary. It certainly is a delight for me to be on the program today, to be here with you, to join our listeners, and to spend some time looking at God's Word together. You know, I often think about the fact, Gary, that I'm not sure people really understand or fully grasp the fact that God means what He says. You know, that's a, a pretty simple statement to make. And yet, you know, I've been doing some study on that recently, and it's just been brought more fully and more completely to mind for me that when God says something, he means it. In other words, if he says, now, you do this and you're going to be blessed, we're going to be blessed. If he says, you fail to do this, or if you do this, you're going to be punished. We're going to be punished. God means what he says. You know, and I think about a simple example of that going way back to the time when the Israelites were beginning their conquest of the land of Canaan. First stop was the city of Jericho. And if we're familiar with the account, we know that God told Joshua, who was leading the people at that time, when you go in to conquer the city of Jericho, you'll march around the city one time for six consecutive days. On the seventh day, you'll march around the city seven times. The people will shout, the priests will blow their trumpets, and the wall will fall down flat. You know, and as we read that account, that's exactly what happened. Because Joshua and the people of Israel believed that God meant what he said. They followed his directions explicitly and it came about just as he'd indicated. And then if you take that account just a little bit further, God also told the people through Joshua, when you go and destroy that city, it's under the ban. 
which basically meant they were not to take any spoil from the city. All the things in that, and specifically the gold, the silver, the iron, the bronze, were dedicated to God. They were to go into his treasury. Well, during the time of conquering that city, one man by the name of Achan decided to take some of that spoil. When Joshua and the Israelites tried to conquer their next city, the city of Ai, they were defeated, and by a very small city, by the way. And, of course, they were devastated by that. But God basically indicated, you know what? There's sin in the camp. And through a series of events, it was determined Achan had taken spoil from the city of Jericho, and it caused the nation of Israel to suffer a defeat in their next battle. God means what he says. We need to take that seriously. We certainly do. And it was interesting that the city of Ai was so small that the leaders, I guess, you know, in, you know, Israel's army said, you know, mm -hmm. we don't even need to send the whole army up against that city. Just send, you know, a small force. Yeah, the Joshua had actually sent some spies up there, and they came back and said, you know, two to 3,000 is adequate. So if I remember the count accurately, they sent an army of 3,000 against it, and Ai defeated them. A small army in Ai defeated mm -hmm. them, as you said, decisively. That's right. Yeah. We need, to, we need to respect God in his word. Mm -hmm. We need to recognize and grasp the fact that at just as you said when he says something he means it that's right and we can't change it no. we can't ignore it mm -mm. we can't twist it out of shape we might have our own ideas but ultimately God's will is going to prevail yes yes Dennis we're going to start a new study today and I really think this is one that applies probably to virtually every one of us to one degree or another at some time or another in our lives. Mm -hmm. And of course, it applies to a great, great many people, virtually all of their lives. We need to remember that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, that most people are going down the wrong road mm, to that's eternity. Right. Yes. They're taking the broad, broad road that leads to the destruction of hell. Mm -hmm. And he said it's just a few who are going down that straight and narrow path that is the pathway of truth and ultimately leads to eternal life. Yes. We can't change that pronouncement. Not at all. That's from the Lord himself. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we may not like that idea that most are going to be lost and the few are going to be saved, but that's the prophecy from our Lord himself. It is. And we can't make it politically correct to suit ourselves. We have to accept the fact that, just as you said, when God says something, he means it. He does indeed. Now, ultimately, it comes down to a personal choice mm -hmm. on the basis of each one of us individually. Mm -hmm. Am I going to serve God or not? That's right. So we want to ask the question in this particular study, what hinders you from serving God? Mm -hmm. 
In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul tells us that God expects our lives to be active in serving him. How does he put it there? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Clearly, God wants each of us to serve him and to live for him in this life and with him through eternity. Absolutely right. And, you know, when it says transformed mm -hmm. by the renewing of your mind, a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We could think of God sending his son to die on the cross for us. Mm -hmm. And so Paul says now he wants us to live for him. Yes. Most people aren't doing that, Dennis. I'm afraid not. And again, that's not our words. That's our Lord's words himself. Yes, they are. And those words have not changed. No. And they won't. Most are going down the wrong road. Mm -hmm. The few are heading to heaven and eternal life. What hinders you from serving God? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we read one of a number of passages that talk about the fact that we have just read about in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, in these passages, it gets a little bit more specific. How does Paul put it there? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are God's workmanship, and we're created for good works. And those works are works that God has prepared for us beforehand. Mm -hmm that we should walk in them, that we should pursue those good works that God has prepared for us to do. That's correct. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, what do we read? Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Not only doing good works, Let's look at another passage or two in that text. But he says, zealous for good works. Mm -hmm. And that's probably part of the identity that he uses there as being his own special people. Mm -hmm. In chapter 3 of Paul's letter to Titus, in verse 8, what do we read? This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. To maintain good works. Mm -hmm. And notice that he precedes that by saying, be careful mm -hmm. to maintain good works. Yes. And literally, the word careful, when you break it down, means full of care. Or you're giving full attention to whatever it is that you're being careful to do. Right. In this case, to maintain good works. Mm -hmm. In the 14th verse of 
Titus chapter 3, what do we read? And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. To maintain good works, and that's part of being fruitful in our service to God. It is. So God has things for us to do in serving him. He has prepared good works for us. He has those in mind for us to pursue. He expects us to do that, mm -hmm. and expects us to be zealous in those works. He does indeed. Now, that's part of the Christian line. Sure it is. That's part of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, what did God do to us, or for us? There we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his son for us. Mm -hmm. How does Paul put that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lest we think that it's too much of a burden to pursue good works that God has prepared for us to do in serving him, we need to remember what God did for us. Yeah, he gave right. his son. That's exactly right. And he did that. He gave his son while we were still sinners. He did. Now, God went to great lengths in order to make it possible for you and I to walk with him and to serve him in this life and then thereby to live with him eternally in heaven. Yes, he did. And these are not options these are expectations on the part of God absolutely in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 what did Jesus say he came to do for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost and in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 Jesus issues the great invitation doesn't he he does and there we're told come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus came for the specific purpose, we understand, of being the Savior. Going to the cross, dying on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, the sins of all mankind, but mm -hmm. make it personal to where it really has meaning for you. Individually, he died to pay the price for the guilt of your sins. He did that for you. And as the Savior, he calls you to him. No matter what your past, no matter how bad you've been mm -hmm. or how bad you think you've been, Jesus died so that you could have the opportunity to live with him eternally in heaven. That's exactly the case. You can be forgiven. You can be redeemed. You can be mm -hmm. saved. That's what Jesus came for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, Gary, that's consistent with God's desire. You know, we're told in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God wants all to come to repentance, not some or a few or maybe even a majority. God wants all to come to repentance. It's not his will that any should perish. That's right. Uh, he wants to save all. But he did not make us automatons. Uh, no, he didn't. 
he created us with free will. Mm -hmm. He leaves the choice up to us. He does. Now, he lays out the rewards mm -hmm. of following him, mm -hmm. and he lays out the consequences of not following him. That's right. Now, it ought to be a no-brainer again for anybody. It should be. But unfortunately, most people choose to not follow him his way, at least. Yes, that is unfortunate. And so they don't grasp what he has offered them, and that is forgiveness and eternal life mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. Right. Well, Jesus died for us. He calls us to him. And again, no matter what your past is, you have been called to be with him. Now, don't expect some voice to speak to you in the darkness of night. He calls you through his word. Mm -hmm. He calls everybody through the scriptures. Mm -hmm. In Matthew chapter 7, and we've referred to this earlier, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, what does Jesus say about the reality of how people will respond to that call? Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now I get the impression from the language in those two verses, Dennis, that Jesus is saying it's going to be more than a simple majority versus a simple minority. He says many mm -hmm. are, going to go, are going down and are going to end up at the end of that broad road that leads to the eternal destruction. Mm -hmm. And he says few are going down the narrow path that leads to eternal life. Yeah, that's correct. And if you drop down just a little bit in that chapter, Gary, he reinforces that in verse 21. He indicated not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but... He who does the will of my Father in heaven, the ones who choose to walk that narrow way of truth. And Dennis, that indicates that there are going to be a lot of people who even believe in Jesus. Oh. A lot of people who call him Lord. That's right. Who he says, you're not going to be with me in heaven. Yeah, and in fact, he goes on in the next couple of verses and he says, to some of those who believed they were following Jesus or God the way they should, our Lord said, I never knew you. Exactly, exactly. They were not doing the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. They might have been doing their own self-will, mm -hmm. and so what they thought was, should be good enough or sufficient to please God, but they weren't following God his way. That's and right. that's where a lot of people really trip up, and they have a tough time recognizing I can't just follow God any old way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to follow God God's way, mm -hmm. how he tells me, how he expects me. Yes. And so Jesus says, you may call me Lord, Lord. You may say that you've done great things in my name, but let me tell you, when it comes judgment day, I'm going to tell you, depart from me. I mm -hmm. never knew you. That's right. You were never with me. Mm -hmm. Those are people who believe in him. That's right. Call him Lord. Mm -hmm. Do what they consider to be good works in his name. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not talking about everybody 
who right. would call him Lord and do good works and believe in him. But we're saying there are going to be a lot of people that way. He says so. Yes. It comes down to they were doing their will apparently or somebody else's will, but they weren't doing God's will. Yes, I believe that's correct. And so they fit into that broad road crowd mm -hmm. who are going to destruction. Mm. Yes. And that's unfortunate. It is indeed. People, a lot of times, they let pride hinder them from serving God. Mm -hmm. Or they let self-will hinder them from serving God. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. It is. Again, we have to be submissive to God's will. Mm -hmm. We can't change his will. Mm -hmm. We can't substitute our will for his will. We have to be submissive to his will. We do indeed. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, what else do we read? But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And this is just basically parallel in, in principle to what we just read in Matthew chapter 7 and verses uh, 21 through 23. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, it's something where I almost get the impression, Gary, that Jesus is saying, you know what? If you call me Lord and fail to do the things I've told you to do, you're just wasting your breath. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's lip service. Mm -hmm. It may make you feel good. Yeah. But you're not doing what I tell you to do. You're right. not following my will again. Mm -hmm. And we cannot, we cannot in some way substitute our will for God's will and then do what we think are good works and that he ought to be thankful for. He ought to mm -hmm. be appreciative of. Right. <laughs> He's God. We're the servants. That's absolutely the case. And we need to appreciate what he's done for us. Mm. And that should include serving him according to his will. Yes. Most people either will not serve God or they will not serve him on his terms. Mm. And as a result, from what we've read there in Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6, they will not be with God in heaven for eternity. Mm -hmm. Now, why is this the case, Dennis? That's the bottom line mm -hmm. of this particular study. Yes. And we're going to get into several possibilities, several reasons that, a lot of people need to recognize that are hindering them from serving God. Mm -hmm. And each one of us, my friend, you listener, you need to stop and ask yourself, is something hindering you from serving God? And we'll get into the, into the specifics next time. In just a moment, we'll tell you how you can contact us and receive that free Bible study that we always offer. It is free. We take care of the postage. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free. And again, we'll take care of the postage. Jot down that information and then contact us and ask for either or both of these materials. It can make an eternal difference for you. We hope to hear from you right away.